Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Academic Pediatrics Podcast. I am Margaret Trost, the web editor, and my guest here today is Dr. Karen Wilson, um, who is chief of the Division of General Pediatrics at Mount Sinai Kravis Children's Hospital. And we're really lucky to have her here. She is here to talk about her article that was recently published in the journal that's called Reported Marijuana and Tobacco Smoke Incursions Among Families Living in Multi-Unit Housing in New York City. So Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Margaret. It is uh, my pleasure to be here today um, to talk about this article. So thank you for the invitation. Great. That's awesome. I was hoping that uh, uh, for the first part, you could just briefly summarize um, what you did for this study and kind of what the key findings are. Sure. Uh, you know, I'll give a little bit of background in that I've done some studies before on looking at secondhand tobacco smoke exposure in multi-unit housing. Um, and that has been really powerful from an advocacy standpoint in helping to have some smoke-free, um, uh, smoke-free housing regulations in place for low-income multi-unit housing. Uh, and so as we started to see the increase in marijuana smoking and marijuana legalization, you know, I've been very concerned about the fact that um, people may be exposed to marijuana in their apartments as well. And in fact, I started to hear about this from some of my patients at the hospital. They would say, listen, we don't smoke marijuana, but we're worried about the impact on our children because we're smelling it coming from the, the apartment next door. Um, and so what we did was we used our um, network of um, practices within the Mount Sinai Hospital. So we had four different practices that helped to um, contribute data to this. And we surveyed 450 parents. It was very simple. We just asked them um, on, a, on an anonymous survey because obviously there's still some concern about um, telling people that your child is exposed to marijuana smoke, even if it's not you doing it. And we asked how often they were or whether and then how often they smelled marijuana smoke in their apartment or their home. Um, when their child was a present, uh, when there was nobody using it in the home. And um, so it was pretty simple. We asked that about tobacco as well. And what we ended up finding was that um, almost 31% of the participants reported that they experienced marijuana incursions in their home with their while their child was present. Um, and that was pretty similar to the 33.5% that reported tobacco smoke incursions. So there was not a whole lot of difference between the two. Um, and what we found um, that is not completely surprising is that um, those who lived in the um, New York City Housing, housing Authority developments, and, and this is um, our, our, our low-income multi-unit housing, were more likely to report smelling marijuana smoke than those who lived um, in, uh, in non-NYCHA housing. Um, we, had, um, we, we saw an increase in Section 8 housing, which is interesting. Um, so a Section 8 housing is housing that is subsidized by the government, but that can be in any building. And so you get money to be able to pay for your apartment, but it's not um, a government-run housing uh, compared to NYCHA. And what's interesting about that is that um, technically with the new Department of Housing and Urban Development guidelines, um, smoking in, in NYCHA housing is not, no longer allowed, whereas those regulations do not apply to Section 8 housing. So we thought we might see more in Section 8 housing, but we did not. Hmm. Well, that, I, I mean, that's very interesting. Was there a specific finding that was surprising to you? Um, so I think that um, it was not very surprising to me. You know, we, we went into this um, with the idea that no one had really documented what kind of exposure was happening in multi-unit housing. 
Um, but based on my prior experience, I was expecting to find it. Certainly our hypothesis was that um, that we were going to find that um, that the exposure was happening. I was hopeful that maybe um, the housing type would be less of an issue now than it had been in some of our work on tobacco smoke exposure, um, but that clearly was not the case. And we still found that NYCHA housing, um, you know, was uh, people in NYCHA housing were more likely to report these exposures. And I think that that really goes to the lack of enforcement um, that is happening with the, the HUD rule on, um, on prohibiting smoking in multi-unit housing. And certainly even in New York City, where marijuana is legal for medical use, but not recreational use, um, it is actually not legal to smoke it at all, even for medical use. You have to, you know, you have to use an edible form of, or some other type. Yeah, I, I, that's interesting that about the legality of marijuana in New York. I live in California, which obviously has uh, legality uh, issues with marijuana as well. It's generally legal here for both recreational and medicinal use. Um, do you think that the findings of your paper would be applicable in my city? Do you think that clinicians active in California should should do something based on the results of this paper? Uh, yes, I think that um, probably in most communities, um, particularly in any place where marijuana is legal for recreational use, you're going to see the same types of exposures um, with marijuana smoke exposure as we have seen with tobacco smoke exposure based on the research that I've done. Uh, a lot of people are using both products, and so there's going to be a lot of places where you're getting exposed to both as well. Um, what do you, so I know you've spent a lot of your career looking at uh, tobacco uh, smoke and not necessarily marijuana smoke, correct? What What are the differences between um, exposure of children to both marijuana and tobacco smoke? So this is something that we really don't know a lot about. So we have um, we, we have many decades now of research on the effects of secondhand tobacco smoke exposure on children, and we know that um, even very low levels can impact the immune system, can impact cognition, um, and certainly can impact respiratory health. Um, because it's fairly new um, that marijuana has been even looked at um, and you know certainly legalized and looked at as potential exposure, uh, we really don't have any data on what the impact of that exposure is. What we do know is that if we measure the the um, chemicals, we can measure a metabolite of THC in the urine of young children who have been exposed to marijuana smoke. Um, and we can't imagine that like having exposure to THC, as well as having exposure to the combustion products from, you know, burning the marijuana leaf uh, is going to be a good thing for their brains or their lungs or their bodies. Um, but we don't have the research yet. We don't, we haven't been able to get funded yet um, to be able to study this. And that's something that I really strongly think that we need to do, especially as more and more states move towards legalization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that there's probably going to be a whole generation of pediatricians that are interested in getting involved in the marijuana space as this becomes more legal and the effects of exposure to marijuana smoke become more known. Um, do you have any general advice for trainees that might be interested in getting involved in either research or advocacy um, uh, around marijuana smoke exposure in kids? Yeah, and I think um, so. to start out with just a very broad, uh, you know, not just for trainees, but for everybody who's um, who's faced with this, you know, it's important to ask about these exposures, particularly if you have a child in your practice who is having trouble with asthma or with other respiratory illnesses. Um, it, you know, you can ask the family, you know, do you ever smell marijuana smoke coming from other apartments? This is this something that irritates your child's lungs? 
and then you can help them advocate for um, smoke-free homes. Um, it's not easy, you know, but but marijuana is still in most places, um, you know, prohibited. Well, it's in many places it's not prohibited to be smoked indoor. It's smoked indoors, so you can advocate for smoke-free air, indoor air laws that would cover marijuana smoke as um, so as far as um, for a trainee interested in uh, advocacy, you know, certainly getting, um, you know, reading up on this, asking your families about it, um, getting involved, talking to the, your local department of public health, um, thinking about uh, doing, you know, any kind of advocacy with your state legislatures. Um, you know, when when they first legalized marijuana in Colorado, um, you know, I sat down before before it was legal, when they were making the regulations about how it was going to be treated, I had the opportunity to sit down with the chair of the Department of Public Health at, um, or the, the executive director of the Department of Public Health for the state of Colorado. And I said, you know, you really need to be careful about children's secondhand exposure to marijuana smoke. I've been doing this research in tobacco. And here we have, you know, the potential for children to be um, and he said, yes, of course, that's really important. But when the re regulations came out, not only did they not do anything to prohibit smoking marijuana in the presence of children or exposing children, they actually made it illegal to smoke marijuana um, any anywhere that wasn't private. So if you didn't have your own backyard, the only place that you were able to smoke it was in your home or in your apartment, um, which I think increased the risk for children to have exposure. So as you're seeing your states come with the, you know, come up with these regulations, uh, you know, making sure that you keep the exposure of children high on the list of priorities of your legislature, it's hard, you know, and it requires, you know, calling them and writing them and, and really um, advocating for children. But I think it's really, really important. And then, of course, um, you know, if you're interested in research on uh, on this area, um, you know, the, the what we did um, was a, a quick very easy survey um, of practices in our area. And so I would, I would encourage anyone interested in doing this um, to consider something like that. You know, if you're a trainee and, and you're interested in this topic, um, you could do a, a small study in your area um, that could help to define what the problem is. there. Yeah, I, I think that's great advice. I don't know if you remember, but years and years ago, I once got paired up with you through a, a mentoring program and had a call with you. And the advice that you gave me was very helpful. So I think Good. everyone should listen to that advice, too, if they're interested in getting involved in the space. And thank you for your past mentoring and future mentoring of trainees. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, always delighted to talk to anybody who is interested in this topic um, as well. So please, you know, if you if this sparks a, um, you know, a, a thought or, you know, a desire to look into this uh, area more, please get in touch with me. I'm sure that there'll be contact information. Um, uh, available at the podcast. Uh, I think there's probably podcast notes, so feel free to put my email in there and um, uh, happy to talk with anyone interested. In this. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Wilson, for talking with us today um, and best of luck uh, protecting kids from smoke exposure in the future. And thank you, Dr. Trost, and thank you for the great work that you're doing with academic pediatrics. It's a wonderful journal and I'm delighted to be at the lead.